Hey, everybody. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it's closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to June 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions. Hey everyone, Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. This Charles W. Chuck Bryant. You can probably hear his forehead scraping against his mic cover. <laughs> we do not feel like doing this today, do we? No, we but do. But we're going to do it anyway. I mean, yes, we do. Not no, we do. You can't affirm with a negative. Yes, we don't. <laughs> well, there it is, Chuck, the cleverest banter we will ever have. Um, hey. How are, you, how are you? I'm fine, man. I'm feeling aggressive. I want to punch something. You've been playing violent video games? No, I've been reading about people playing violent video games. It's apparently the uh, magic bullet. It's what really makes you aggressive. Yeah. Reading about that kind of thing. Oh, reading about, yeah, articles on that. Sure. Yeah. That's what we need to be watching out for. Right. Um, yeah, people who read like parenting sections on like HuffPo or MSNBC are like some of the most violent criminals now <laughs> because of those. Um, Chuck, yes. are you familiar with a little country called Germany? Mm. Jawohl. Uh, is that, that's Russian, isn't it? No. That's German? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, Chuck, but over the last few weeks, I've gotten increasingly dumber. Have you picked up on that? Who, you have? I have. Um, I haven't really, no. My, the frequency of mispronouncing words has just gone <laughs> up dramatically, which is really saying something. Yeah. Um, uh, getting languages wrong, as I just did, that's a big one. Yeah. Uh, falling asleep in the middle of stuff, like I'm about to right now. Okay. Uh, Chuck, you've heard of Germany. Yes. Uh, in 2006, late 2006, there was something of a fairly radical proposal that came up from the uh, representatives of Bavaria and Lower Saxony. Okay. You get those two together, things happen oh, normally. Yeah. Not in this case, but normally. The representatives proposed a bill that would offer p- fines of, uh, well, I don't know how much the fines were, but the penalty of jail time. Up to 12 months. Okay. For, um, may I quote? Sure. Uh, cruel violence on humans or human-looking characters inside games. So, creating a game. Inside games? Yes. <laughs> is that what it said? Yeah. That's funny. Uh, creating a game where uh, there is violence, violence can happen. Okay. Or playing a video game and inflicting violence, virtual violence, mm-hmm. could get you 12 months in jail, according to these guys. Wow. So you can't play Call of Duty in no. Germany. You would spend the rest of your life in jail if these guys had had their rather radical sure. resolution passed. 
I take it it did not pass. No. It felt flat on its face. But the whole thing was in reaction to um, the the prior month, uh, the spree killing, or almost, I guess, spree maiming by Sebastian Bose, who was 18. He was the worst school shooter Germany ever had. And he he wounded 37 people, didn't kill anybody. Really? Um, but he did kill himself. You you rec- you remember it? Yeah, he played Counter Strike a lot. I find it interesting that he shot thirty seven people and didn't kill anyone. I'll bet he found that something other than interesting. Did he try to just wound? No, I know that's probably a dumb question. But no, he went on a rampage and he just missed. Okay. So uh, anyway, this thank is, God he well yeah yeah he um but he played a lot of Counter Strike that was his big thing and nowadays as you you have grown up and since the nineties sure and you've been paying attention so you know that anytime there's a spree shooting at a school by a teenager mm-hmm. one of the first things that comes out is what their violent video game of choice was right and legislation like this out of um, Germany is it is radical like putting someone in jail for acts of virtual violence yeah um but it's it's getting to be par for the course you know which leads us to a very big question though before you start throwing people in jail for playing video games or for creating video games yeah we have to prove whether or not video games especially violent ones cause real life violence and as i learned after reading this article the jury is very much still out on that yeah Although both sides have very persuasive arguments, and I think they we should do. explore both. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it's probably hard to prove anything when it comes to this. Why? Well, because of all the reasons we're going to mention. It's it's a very complicated issue. Yeah. Um, whether or not that was the thing that pushed someone over the edge, or whether or not it was an inspiration, or whether uh-huh. or not it had nothing to do with it. It's uh, It's tough to prove something like that. Right. And there's a lot of people who are like, yes, school shooters are horrifying. Yeah. They're terrifying. The idea that your kid could go to school and get shot and and killed by a classmate on yeah. a rampage, That's that, that would terrify anybody. So, sure. yeah, of course we want to get to the root of it. But a lot of people are, are saying, don't stop at video games. Right. Even the APA, the American Psychological Association, um, who are very much in favor of the idea that violent video games cause real-life violence, say, don't just stop at video games. Like, that's one part of a larger whole. Right. And we've not figured it out because video games, you just lay that at the feet of one thing and go back to work. Sure. Let your let your kids go back to playing video games. Yeah, I got a quote. I was going to hang on to this. I might as well read it, though. Um, there's a book written called Grand Theft Childhood. The Surprising Truth About Violent Video Games and What Parents Can Do. And this is by uh, Lawrence Kuttner and Cheryl Olson, and they are co-directors of the Harvard Medical School Center for Mental Health and Media. They wrote this book. Um, and they have a guy that they interviewed, a psychologist uh, who specializes in media research called uh, Guy Cumberbatch. <laughs> wow. Sounds like a Simpsons character. Yeah. <laughs> He's real, though. Um, and he says, uh, and I'm going to quote, the real puzzle is that anyone looking at the research evidence in this field could draw any conclusions about the pattern, let alone argue with such confidence and even passion that it demonstrates the harm and violence on television, in film, and in video games. Uh, while tests of statistical significance are a vital tool of the social sciences, they seem to have been more often used in this field as instruments of torture on the data 
until it confesses something which could justify publication in a scientific journal. So basically he's in a very verbose way kind of said what you're saying is that uh, it's easy to scapegoat something like a video game by looking at um, anecdotal research. It is. Very easy. Um, and also, I think part of the reason why school shooters, not not just because they're so sensational, they are. Sure. Also, because m- most, if not all of them, did play violent video games. But also because the school shooting rampage so closely mirrors video game action. Yeah. Even to the casual observer, um, that I think like it's something that's really been zeroed in on. Well, the army uses it for training. You know, yeah. I mean, I, so I it's bound to be, uh, uh, it's bound to put you in that headspace, which makes a lot of sense. Sure, which is a, that's an argument on the side of um, people who say that yes, video games, violent video games, create real life violence. Right. So let's let's explore that. Let's look at right. the the side that says yes, obviously, dingbat. If you play violent video games, you're going to be violent. And this isn't new, by the way. We should point out that, like, before video games, mm-hmm. it was laid at the feet of TV. Well, comic books before that, even. Yep, before that. And I wondered, though, if you go back far enough, the media is a fairly recent thing. Yeah. At least as far as, like, entertainment media. Mm-hmm. So, say, the advent of radio, big radio. Sure. In, like, the 20s, say. What did anybody blame violence on before that? Uh... Uh, probably the real reason, which is that p- some people are sociopaths. <laughs> well, I think you, you make an excellent point, Chuck. What, what you're saying, I think I tend to agree with, is that's possible in, in everybody. Sure. And then probably more possible in some of us than others. Oh, yeah. So is it just a convergence of large public schools where you have a lot of people who you don't like sitting like ducks in one place mm-hmm. and converging with access, easy access to guns? Yeah. Is that all the school shooter is? It's a pretty complicated issue. Okay, so go ahead. Sorry about that. Uh, that's all right. Um, I guess we can cite a couple of more cases that in the media at least have placed the blame on uh, on video games. Um, in 2006 in Alabama, Devin Moore uh, famously uh, was arrested for car theft um, suspicion. He was 18, brought him into the station to book him, and he kind of went nuts. He attacked a cop stole his gun, shot him, shot another cop, went down the hall, shot a 911 dispatcher in the head, then grabbed the squad car keys and took off in the squad car. That's crazy. And and what game did he play? He played Grand Theft Auto, <laughs> which is pretty much how that game goes down. Right. And uh, reportedly, after he was arrested, he even said, quote, life is a video game, everybody's got to die sometime. And he was convicted and sentenced to death. And I could not find out if he's still on death row or if he was put to death. Hmm. It's so frustrating when you can't find out something that should be so easy to find out. Did you try the Alabama's Department of Corrections website? No, nah, I mean, I was going to call somebody, but I just ran out of time. Yeah. So at any rate, he was convicted and appealed, and I think that appeal was denied. But um, when this happens, a lot of times there are lawsuits filed in the case of Columbine. Yeah. Uh, one of the, the wife of a, a teacher there um, sued... Who'd she sue? She sued Sony and Nintendo and Time Warner and Palm Pictures because uh, Klebold and Harris had also watched the Basketball Diaries. Yeah, you remember that part? Oh, yeah. But 
what's strange is that that movie came out in what the late nineties, mm-hmm. but the Basketball Diaries were written by Jim Carroll in like the seventies, maybe in the sixties. Yeah, and people were thinking about doing that back then, obviously. Well, and also wonder, and boy, we're gonna be all over the place here, but also wonder about what constitutes, as far as a lawsuit goes, a negative correlation, like. What if someone made a movie about the Columbine massacre right. and some kid watched that and then later on did his own thing? Like if some, if, you know, even if that movie decries it and shows the repercussions, right. which is one of the big points that a lot of parents make is these uh, video games don't show the repercussions of these actions. It's all just fantasy. Right. So like where do you draw the line there? As far as a lawsuit goes. Well, that's also a really good question. Like, where do you draw the line as far as legislation goes? Because what we're talking about here basically is, say, ultimately, the idea that if video games cause violence in just some people, banning them altogether. It's the same thing like we did with booze and prohibition. Sure. There are some alcoholics who couldn't help themselves, so the rest of us who weren't alcoholics could just give it up. And let's just do that. Right. But are you going to ban movies and TV and comic books and everywhere else that has any kind of violence portrayed? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think that's ever going to be able to happen. And no, I don't. I think ultimately, if you follow that argument to its logical conclusion, no, you come to where you and I are sitting, which is, no, there's some crazy people out there and some are kids. Right. All right. So should we talk about a little bit of the, the... studies and the science behind it yeah so like on the in the camp where they where they think that yes violent video games cause violence Mm -hmm. their their most persuasive argument is that yes tv has been linked to aggressive behavior in kids right tv violence has been right through other studies they've been doing this for years and years and years video games are relatively new but um by extension video games should be even more uh, prone to generating violence in the player because playing video games is more immersive yeah. than watching television. Mm-hmm. You're interacting, right? Also, though, they're based on the reward system of learning. Yeah. Right? Classical conditioning. Exactly. So if I, if I shoot you and behind you is like this, uh, magic donut and I get like, to, I get another life once I grab the magic donut, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to shoot you and I'm going to learn the next time that I need to shoot you again. Yeah. I get that magic donut last time. I got the reward. That's a pretty broad, basic, uh, example. But the, the whole point of video games is based on, like you said, classical conditioning. They should have a podcaster game where it's like, us and Mark Marin and Ira Glass and Jesse Thorne, and we're all like out there trying to kill each other. All right, I think that would do us all a little good. It, and Judge John, Judge John Hodgman like presides over the whole thing. <laughs> I don't know though. Adam Carolla, you're going down. Yeah, who would you take on? Uh, first, probably um, you. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like um, Goldeneye. I just get trapped in like yeah. a corner and you just keep shooting me and waiting for me to come back and then well, shoot me. Well, it's one of those things where we're supposed to be teammates and like, you know, how you can kill your own guy sometimes. And what? Like, in Call of Duty, what? right? Um, I think a lot of those games where you can partner up, you can still shoot your partner. You it just... used to not be the case. Oh, it would just like fire by you or something? Yeah, you just sit there and like kind of move <clears throat> a little bit, but right. like nothing <laughs> happened to you. It didn't have any effect on your life. Oh, good stuff. All right, game off. 
let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. That's right. It's even in the name. Use code STUFF20 at checkout to receive $20 off your first month. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Yep. Again, use promo code STUFF20 and you'll receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Save on wireless with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. So those are two big ones. Uh, they're immersive and they use classical conditioning. What else? Why else would a video game cause violence more, be more likely to cause violence than just plain old TV? Uh, well, they did one study where they actually hooked kids up to, uh, it didn't actually say what they, they just said they scanned the brain. So I'm guessing an MRI. MRI. Um, in 2006 at Indiana University and they, um, had them play two games, uh, Need for Speed, Underground, and Medal of Honor, colon, Frontline. Uh, one is nonviolent, Need for Speed, I guess, and Medal of Honor is violent. Mm -hmm. First person shooters we're talking about, if you don't know what that is crawl out from under a rock, but <laughs> it's when you are, it's the point of view of the the person walking around shooting people is you, is right. the gamer. Yes. Okay. Um, and the brain scans showed that the kids who played the violent game showed increased activity in the uh, amygdala, which stimulates emotion, decreased activity in the prefrontal cortex or lobe, uh, regulates inhibition and self-control. Right. You realize what you just described, right? A zombie? A zombie. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. But my question is, it's like, wouldn't it be more cause of concern if there was like zero emotion going on? If these kids are playing these violent games, the amygdala like shut down? Yeah. That would freak me out. It's a really good point because the whole idea behind video games is to trick the brain into thinking that it's actually experiencing yeah. the gameplay, right? I, I get, I like, I don't play much anymore, but when I play Call of Duty, I would way get into it and like my heart would increase sure. and like if someone snuck up behind me and it was like you know it puts you there but that's to me like the fun of those games well the, yeah it's the point of them right yeah. so your fight of fight or flight response is aroused right yes um your heart rates up like you said you're perspiring you're jumpy mm -hmm. you know but how, how does that translate to video games and i guess an even bigger question is how long does that state of arousal last like, if it did translate yeah, to violence, sure. really, the only person who's in trouble is, you know, your big brother or your best friend who you're playing next to. 
who yeah. just killed you, and you lean over and you punch him. Like, yeah, I've done that before. Well, that happens actually. I saw a bunch of cases where, and it wasn't just violent video games. It was like people playing John Madden uh, would, like one guy, Wisconsin, I think, hit his buddy with a lead pipe, and then you know this one guy <laughs> in England attacked a kid who killed him in Call of Duty, but. They're like, these people are crazy and competitive, and right. they might do the same thing playing Monopoly. So maybe it's not violent. It's c- competitive video games make you violent. Maybe that's maybe. what we should be looking at. Maybe so. All right. Let's see. What else, Chuck? Oh, I've got one for you. All right. These studies are just so awesome. Um, so especially after Columbine, I get the impression that there was like just a rash of studies like this. Oh, sure. And then now the trend is to go back and do meta-analysis of these studies. But um, one study found that it, it took kids and scored them um, with, like, basically inherent hostility, mm-hmm. right? And what it found was that kids with the lowest hostility score, they were just the nicest little kids, when they played violent video games, they were ten times more likely to get in a physical fight. Right than the kids with the lowest hostility scores who didn't play violent video games. So it was like they were 38%. They they had a 38% likelihood to get in a fight compared to like four, so almost 10 times, right? Right. And then even crazier, according to this study, um, the kids with the lowest hostility score who played violent video games were more likely to get in a fight than the kids with the highest hostility scores who didn't play violent video games at all. Really? So it would make nice kids bad? And bad kids who didn't play it, it would just they would maintain that level or whatever. Yeah, of it, the the nice kids who played them were worse than the bad kids, worse than the worst bad kids. Interesting. Yeah. So like studies like these are coming out, and it's making it like more and more clear. Like yes, all right, um, video games do cause violence, but there's a lot of ground left to cover before that link can be made, if it's ever made, and. There's a lot of people trying to put the reins on this, especially ones who are saying, whoa, you're looking, you're barking up the wrong tree. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe so. Maybe you're even right. But this isn't it. This isn't the one thing that's the problem. So what are some of the criticisms of of this science, I guess, explaining or or showing a link between the two? Uh, Well, one is that it's a lot of anecdotal stories. Um, This uh, same guy, Cumberbatch, says... um, (laughs) The strong link between video games violence and real world violence and the conclusion that it leads to social uh, social isolation, uh, poor interpersonal skills are drawn from bad and or irrelevant research, muddle headed thinking and unfounded simplistic news reports. So yeah, that's a big problem, too. For instance, in the Malvo D.C. sniper case, Lee Malvo, remember that? Yeah, God. His attorney actually argued that he trained, quote unquote, uh, himself to kill by playing Halo on Xbox. Okay. Uh, he in, was even quoted as saying he's trained and desensitized with video games to shoot human forms over and over. In actuality, Lee Malvo, uh, trained by shooting paper plates with human faces drawn on them with real guns by, what's his face? Who's the guy? I can't remember his name, but yeah, his yeah. sensei. And in Halo, you shoot this weird-looking space gun at, like, giant bugs. Right. So this was even brought up in a court of law that, like, Halo led him to be a DC sniper. 
So it's definitely a lot of sensationalism going on. Um, and another thing they point out is that uh, video game popularity and youth violence has been going in the opposite direction yeah. statistically. Since um, it reached a peak, violent juvenile crime reached a peak in 1993, has been in decline ever since. Uh, between 94 and 2001, arrests for murder, uh, forcible rape, robbery, and aggravated assault fell 44%. Jeez. And had the lowest juvenile arrest rate for violent crime since the early 80s. So, uh, you know, that seems to fly in the face of the research, at least. And the the reason also people keep picking on kids is not just because they're school shooters, but the, the one of, one of the assumptions that this, that people trying to prove that yes, um, violent video games cause violence is that. If you are a child, you still have a developing brain. Yeah. So you're going to be more susceptible to that kind of classical conditioning. Right. That a violent video game provides. The thing is, is like 91% as of, I think, 2011 survey, 91% of kids play video games. Wow. The average is about nine hours a week. And then a great many of those video games are violent, right? So with numbers like that, it makes you wonder why there aren't more school shooters. Why well, they make this point in this book. Not a lot more common. Yeah, why isn't the world like millions of people play these games? Why isn't it just a violent, chaotic world out there? Right. Although some might say it is. So, again, though, we should we should kind of bring it back a little bit. Like, it's the school shooters are just like the most sensational um, thing to point to. Sure. They're also worried that, like, kids are, like, punching each other more or, right. you know, um, knifing each other more. And the idea behind that is that there's this thing called script theory mm-hmm. where um, we it's, – it's an extension of this thing called affect theory, right, where basically like something happens to us, we have uh, an emotional reaction to something and mm-hmm. it triggers – a response, a prescribed response. Right. And it's it's fairly specific to the human being, but it's also kind of predictable. Well, over time, because remember, the brain is very lazy and likes to chunk things and do things as efficiently as possible. Yeah. The same thing happens um, whenever we we come across the same emotional stimulus, right? Okay. Where we build a script, okay? Mm-hmm. So if somebody comes up to us, and we have been trained to, or we've produced a script through violent video games where if somebody's coming at us, we have to shoot it. The idea behind script theory, very crudely put, mm-hmm. is that um, we would use violence. Right. It would trigger a violent reaction because we our script for dealing with this has been built and compiled through violence. Right. Through violent video games. Interesting. It is interesting. Um, it's also... Totally unproven is the problem. So, like, number one, there's a lot of, there's a, there's, a, despite all the studies, there's not a lot of scientific data out there that shows. Yeah. Yes. Violent video games cause violence. Well, they'll study like 30 kids. That's a big problem. You know. Another one is like, how do you quantify violence in video games? Yeah. How do you say it, it when you're giving people when you're testing pharmaceuticals you can get it down to the the milligram or microgram or whatever? Right. How do you do that with exposure to violence in a video game? Well, yeah, because there's all kinds of levels of violence from Mario whacking uh, right. animals on the head with mallets. Yeah, uh, and that that's one of the things that this book points out is that they're kind of getting it wrong with the, the ratings. The ESRB is who rates uh, video games. Yeah, ranging from. Uh, 
early childhood rating, which is the sweetest of all ratings, all the way to uh, mature and adults only. Um, And like I said, one of the problems is that people complain that there are no repercussions in video games, but they say they got it backwards in that um, in in the lighter rated games, like the dead bodies just disappear. Oh, yeah. Instead of showing like this is a dead body or the blood is like super uh, animated and not realistic. Um, and it's basically saying, no, these lighter rated games aren't showing negative consequences. Right. Games that do show that are more likely to be rated M or A, which is adults only. Yes. Which is interesting, I thought. So, and also um, another point is that the average gamer these days apparently is 30. So and lives in his mom's basement. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he's he's also probably not out there committing acts of violence either. Right. Uh, you know, I will say when I played like a lot of um, Call of Duty or uh, what was the driving one again? The, um, Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto. That like it was the same when I played Tetris. I had like Tetris dreams. Like it gets into your dreams and it like gets into your craw. And when I'm driving around, you have those thoughts of like. You know, bump this guy off the road and make this move. Like, it's in your head, but you don't do it. Right. You know, like people have thoughts all the time, but that, you know, Klebold and Harris were suicidal, depressed sociopaths. Right. You know, they weren't like just great kids who played Call of, or whatever game they accused them of playing and just decided to shoot up their school. Yeah. But that's not to say it doesn't have some impact. You know, that's why it's such a tough issue. Yeah, it's definitely not, there's not one, I don't think there's one side that's ever going to be proven right. I think it's going to be like, yes, okay, this does have this effect, it does have this impact on some people more than others. Because it, it just just from the small amount of games that I've played, like, yeah. I know what it's like. You, I'm, yeah, you get aroused, you get like excited, sure. you, you fight or flight, and then you, you start thinking about ways to play it better when you're not playing it. Yeah. So yeah, it definitely does not it, it doesn't have just an immediate effect. It definitely extends to the rest of your real life. But there is that line. And that's what we need to explore, in my opinion, is where that line is and how right. does that differ from people from some people to another and how do you take people who have the line a lot closer right. than it should be and extend it further out. You, my friend, have hit on it, I think. And that, that's basically the summary of this book is we're asking the wrong questions and looking for the wrong, uh, causes. Basically, um, I'm going to quote again, instead of looking for a simple direct relationship, um, in all children, we should be asking ourselves, how might we identify those children who are at the greatest risk for being influenced by everything from movies to the freaking news that they watch on TV every night? And then put him in jail prematurely. I just said freaking. Man, <laughs> can we do that now? I'm pretty hopped up. Uh, so yeah, I think you hit on it. Like you, you, These games aren't going away. Violent movies aren't going away. Mm. The History Channel, which shows more violence than anything on television, isn't going away. Right. Um, none of these things are going anywhere. So maybe it's up to the parents to get involved a little more. Yeah, but like you have to stop watching TV to do something like that. <laughs> All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. 
That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. That's right. It's even in the name. Use code STUFF20 at checkout to receive $20 off your first month. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Yep. Again, use promo code STUFF20 and you'll receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Save on wireless with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Uh, You got anything else right now? I don't think so. Well, it's a tough issue. I get it, you know. It is. This is definitely not one where we're just going to explain everything. But I feel like we explain both sides, right? I think so. The the people on the pro side saying, hey, here's all the science. The people on the con side saying, hey, you got to do a little better. Right. Yeah. We'll see where we are in 2015. We'll come back here. Okay. Uh, if you want to learn more about this, you can uh, type violent video games in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. It will bring up this really good article. And uh, I said search bar, which means it's time for the listener mate. Josh, I'm going to call this Gas Chromatography Mass Spectrometer Explained. Of course. Remember I brought that up in the body odor thing and I didn't have time to look it up? Mm-hmm. Luckily, we have smart listeners. Um, guys, I just heard the Body Odor podcast. Nicely done, as always. Um, in the show, you mentioned that you didn't have time to look up gas chromatography uh, mass spectrometer. Is there not an abbreviation for that? <laughs> we call it uh, GCMS. Okay. Um, this is exactly the type of situation I'd be glad to help with. And he's basically offering his services in the future, too. Oh, that's nice. Like, wherever, like, uh, I don't have time. He said, just pick up the phone. I'll explain it to you. So, <laughs> Who is this guy? He's an associate professor of physics at Thomas More College in Kentucky. That's awesome. Um, and he says in a single sentence, a, a gas chromatography mass spectrometer is essentially a machine for identifying the composition of molecules in a sample, which you clearly presume. In a brief essence, he says this. It has two parts. The, uh, the gas chromatograph, which essentially breaks a sample into its component molecules and emits them on a delay based on their chemical properties, and then the mass spectrometer, which essentially finds the mass of the molecule. Uh, the combination of these processes identifies the mo- molecular makeup, uh, the amount of each type of molecule of the sample. Huh. And he said this only, and then he had a longer version too, which I read, but I'm not free now. And he said, this took me about 10 or 15 minutes to type out, guys. I hope it encourages you to ask if you need a short overview of some minor detail. Uh, my goal in this offer 
is to maximize the number of times kids are exposed to the idea that the world around me is understandable. And he would be happy to donate his time to help us out in the future. This guy would make a great mascot. That's right. Uh, that is uh, Joe Christensen of Thomas More College. The fighting. Jeez, I don't, I don't know if they have uh, That sounds like a smart school. I don't yeah. know if they have sports. Thomas More, he wasn't the one with the social contract. Crestview Hills, Kentucky. Yeah, that's not where the social contract came from. <laughs> but it's upheld there every day. That's right. Uh, thank you very much, Professor Christensen, let's say. Sure. Thanks, Professor. Um, and I think we will take you up on your offer Heck at yeah. some point. Um, let's see. Uh, if you ever want to explain something to us, we're always in the market for that kind of thing. Specifically, I would love it if somebody can explain to me what's so great about prog rock, because I don't get it. Um, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can uh, go on to Facebook with its stupid timeline at facebook.com slash stuff you should know. And you can email us at stuffpodcast at discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold-pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month.